Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. And we are in week two. So if you're turned to week two, every week, every semester, we have testimonies. And, and this week, here's this testimony by Joyce Wiedemeyer. The topic we're talking about today is Save to Serve. And Joyce writes and tells us, serving has made an impact on my life. Because as I'm helping others, God is helping me with my struggles. And it's not about me. Wow. Wow, what a strong statement there. How many of you can relate to that and recognize that when you begin to serve others in some way, whatever talent you have, how many of you have ever felt God strengthen you as you strengthen others? Can you relate to that? That's just how it works. And so we're going to go ahead and get into this and continue this semester. We believe today that's going to be relevant for you. I feel this, this undergirding presence of God. There is an anointing in this atmosphere. How many of you feel the presence of God here? I feel His presence. and. Let's go ahead and move forward. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And if you don't have your Bibles, just look up here. If you have your Bibles, turn there. And while you're turning, one more time, we'd like to say God bless every person that came to worship, especially our first-time guests, second-time guests, third. We're glad you're here. Let's welcome everybody. Thank you for choosing Riverside, and don't worry. No one's going to run up and lay hands on you. No one's going to shake you. But we want you to feel welcomed, and we want you to feel safe, because this is a safe environment, and God definitely wants to do something in your life. Verse 13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom. You have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Turn to somebody and tell them you've been saved to serve. For the whole law can be summed up in one command. What that really means is, is where the Apostle Paul said, and he's related to what Jesus said as well, the whole law. In other words, everything that God has ever commanded can be summed up in this, and it's a safe place to be spiritually. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting, devouring one another, watch out. I don't think that's really speaking of literally biting people. Because I promise you, somebody ever bit me, I bite back. But backbiting, speaking, gossiping, hurt feelings, unforgiveness, always drama, issues. If that happens, part of the reason why I believe it is because free people don't serve. But people who serve are happy and content because God does something to that channel. And so he says here, Beware of destroying one another. So I say, 
Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That's the key. Today we're going to be talking about, again, you are saved to serve. And we are truly the happiest we've ever been in our life. I know this personally, when we serve. It just healthier for you because one of the principles of serving is is that you know how God says that the in, in our bellies floweth rivers of living life living water and and how can it flow if you don't create an outlet and as living water flows everything in its path lives life life stagnant water does not produce life flowing water produces fresh greenery water cleanses and life is able to inhabit that your life was meant to be given a giving life source God's called you to make a difference and the source of that strength is found in the spirit attitude that God gives us are you ready to hear the word of God Say in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor, give them a high five, a wave, or whatever you feel comfortable with, and say, I'm ready to, I'm ready to hear what God is going to do today, and you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for being here. I am a huge supporter of our veterans and people who have served in the military, and I have high honor for them, every one of them, and and. Every so often, I've actually, uh, this next week, this Thursday, I'll be at the Field of Honor again and be leading in prayer and speaking to veterans on, uh, online and, and there in person. One of the reasons why I have such a respect for them, because I realize that freedom isn't free. I, I think I recognize personally that, that one of the reasons outside of God America is who America is because of our military. I mean, can you imagine if America did not have a military? I think we'd have foreign invasion. I think people would like to take advantage of us. And, but because of the technology and the things that we have, you and I have the liberty to, to live the lives that we choose to live. On top of our democracy and the laws that have been put in place and so forth. Um, I don't want to get too much onto that topic because there's a lot of frustration there right now. But the truth is, is that our military is one of the best, is the best, I believe, in the entire world. And a lot of that is because there's been a lot of research and development. A lot of research and development. The truth is, is that this year, this year, a hundred billion dollars has gone into R&D, our research and development. Research and development is the part of any corporation that will continually research and do the study and practice and develop products that have already been produced, how they can make them better, and also finding new things to implement. 
And so our military is continually investing in research and development. There have been a lot of things that have been researched and developed over the years that you and I use on a regular basis. Everything that started, you know, a majority of things that we need or we wear or we have, some of them, all of them, took a lot of creativity, but some of the things that have stuck out and really been a staple in our life began in the military. Billions of dollars, and billions of dollars worth of contracts for other companies that work for the military. Commercial products have crossed over to civilian life. A lot of these inventions and things that we use today were developed during World War II in the 1940s. A lot of the things that we have today is because we were in troubled times. And if you recognize any time you and I are in trouble, we do a whole lot of praying. We ask God for inspiration. We get really creative. And during troubling times, you, when you get really creative about things and no ideas, it's a matter of survival. It's a matter of doing something different so you can survive through this season that you're in. During World War II, there was just a move of inventions and things that took place that caught on in our nation. Simple things that you wouldn't realize. I don't know if you can see this, but one of the things that was implemented during that time was something as simple as the shirt. You can't see it because it's a white shirt. You can Oh, she fixed it. Thank you. Oh, they fixed it. Somebody fixed it. I'm buying your lunch today. First service couldn't see it. So that T-shirt back in the 40s, the Navy, they were trying to figure out how and what they can put on to it, to be faster. Have you ever seen the compartments that they live in within the ship and what they're doing, it, it took a long time for them to button up everything. And so they developed the T-shirt out of cotton and they wore that. And it was a trend that picked up. People had seems, I guess people had developed and made some of these things around, you know, and if you didn't have anybody, a seamstress around, my mama was a great seamstress. She'd make all kinds of stuff. It was good. It's so, I mean, if you know how to sew, you are valuable in the family, I'm sure. But not everybody had someone like you. But when the manufacturers began to develop this and make it happen, they would, they began to carry that over to civilian life, and everybody started wearing T-shirts. So whenever you wear a T-shirt, if you're wearing a T-shirt today, what you have on used to be an underwear. Because everyone wore button-ups. But it's become common. That started with the military. Duct tape. All the Latinos say hallelujah. <laughs> was originally duck tape. D-U-C-K. Because they needed something to that had some adhesive properties that was strong and that was flexible to seal up leaks on the boats and ships and things that they had temporary fixes uh, for things, for equipment. Uh, in fact, I've seen people with duct tape driving down the road and their whole bumper was held up with duct tape. 
I've seen it happen. It's strong. It's strong. And so they called it duct tape because it was resistant to water. And that's what they needed, something that was resistant to water to patch up things. Whether it be pipes, equipment, or whatever it may have been, that's what they did until the industry grabbed a hold of this. And it was the air conditioning and refrigeration industry that grabbed a hold of it. And they realized this stuff could be used for ventilation. Therefore, they changed it to duct tape, D-U-C-T. And they colored it gray because it was the same color as the vents. But it started with the military. I'm going to go faster. And the next one, super glue. Super glue was an accident that happened when they were trying to, prov- trying to invent synthetic rubber. When they were trying to produce something for their vehicles and the inventor found this stuff that was strong and it dried hard, but it was very gooey and they didn't like it. They put it aside, but they also found out it had strong adhesive properties. So what they used super glue for in the military was they recognized that when they put it on cuts and they put it on places that were bleeding, it would stop the bleeding. And so that's when they started to use it, but then it caught on in the industry, but that's where it originated. And then, when you look further, I'm going to get there in just a moment, but vehicles that you drive, the Jeep, the Jeep was something that was developed in World War II. It was something that was easy to drive in and out of during rough terrain. They needed something tough and something that can be gone from long distance, long locations, and they would eventually come to a place where they used the Jeep for everything, hauling equipment, pulling trailers, going up terrain, going into the jungles, and the Jeep became so popular that after the war, they sold it off at a cheap price. Everyone embraced it, and then they started to manufacture it, and then young people started to buy it, right? Or young at heart, either way. It was, it was actually called GP for general purpose. But when they shortened it to Jeep and set it together, and that's where they came up with the word, J-E-E-P. But it started with the military. Offspray, fighting in the jungles. They needed something to deter all of the mosquitoes and all the things that were causing malaria. They came up with this. It was in an aerosol. They needed something compact, something they can travel with. And then, you know, most of you use this stuff. Silly putty. Silly putty was just something that in the process of trying to develop, trying to make something happen, it was rejected. But then a guy found it and saw how fun it was to play with, and he would put it on newspapers. For those of you who grew up with Silly Putty, and you can transfer images from the ink, show your friends. He took it to a party, and they decided to sell it in egg, and people were buying Silly Putty all around the world. Genius idea. Tires. When we were at war, we were cut off from the forest from the force in Central America where we got our tar from. So the military had no choice but try to develop synthetic rubber. Super glue came out of it, and then we got tires that came out of it. All from the military. One more, virtual reality. 
instead of crashing airplanes and jets and spending millions, if not billions of dollars on trying to not damage equipment, they decided, why don't we simulate this? So in the 1970s, they developed this, and then they started to do it and save money, and it was like the real thing. Everyone say research and development. Jesus said and gave us a plan for prayer. He said, ask, seek, and you'll find. There are some things that are experienced through our searching. I believe that the kingdom of God had so much to offer into the world, into our civilian life, into the life that we had, but it first had to be experienced through Jesus. If you ever wondered why Jesus had the prayer life that he had, you can look at the miracles that he performed. And what you and I couldn't see through healings, through deliverance, through miracle signs and wonders, there was an unseen hand of technology that still exists that was there even before 1940. Prayer is the highest form of technology. I want to tell you that right now. And the only way to see the benefits of what's in the spirit and see what's there that you can't see is going to be by interaction, spending time there and doing the searching and letting God develop some things inside of you. This is where it all transpires. This is why when Jesus came into this world, he just brought heaven with him and showed us during that time in which he lived how much heaven can do, how much authority heaven had, how dominant it was to be a part of God's family as a son of God versus the enemy who wanted to steal our soul. Jesus had all authority, showed all power. He had all things available to him. It was all new. All new. There are things right now that I didn't show up there that are so impressive that our military has developed, mind-blowing. But can you imagine how much more God's kingdom provides military might and provision and power and safety for you and I that's available to you at any given moment? All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is search. All you've got to do is knock, and you'll find Jesus came into this world, and they'd never seen the things that Jesus had done. Read this, Mark chapter 2, verse 4. It says this, And when they could not come near because of the crowd, speaking of the people who had someone that was sick or paralyzed, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken through, they let down the bed in which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. I want you to keep in mind that we've been taught, you've been taught, we've all learned here, that the act of forgiving sins in their day was only related to the tabernacle and the blood of animals and the high priest going into the holy place. But here comes Jesus, whom they think was just another speaker, great teacher or prophet. Some didn't even believe that. And he comes and tells somebody, your sins are forgiven you. They'd never seen it before. But they'd never seen anyone like Jesus before neither. With the authority and the power and the influence that he had. 
The only reason why Jesus had that kind of influence and authority and power is because he was without sin. He was flawless. He was the only perfect human being that ever was and ever will be. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. But when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why, they said, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived their spirit and saw that they reasoned within themselves because of this, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? Because see, anybody can say you're forgiven. Now, if you're in relation with somebody and that's personal and you say you're forgiven, you're, you're, you're really saying, I forgive you. Because you and I know nobody can forgive sins but God. But God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So when he said your sins are forgiven, what he was saying, you're clean. The past is over. Don't worry about it. You can start fresh, you can start new. In the eyes of God. What a statement. What a statement. So to prove the unseen, he did something that they could see. And then he said that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise and take up your bed and go to your house. Did you know that the same power it takes to forgive you of sin is the same power that heals your body? The same power it took to take Jesus to the cross, shed the blood, rise up from the dead is the same power that you had asked for when you say, Lord, forgive me, or Lord, help me. It's just proven in different ways. And Jesus proved it to them. The, 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 the man that was paralyzed, that got up from the place where he was at, when he stood up, he validated the forgiveness of God. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying to you. When you get up in your bed every morning and you're covered by the grace and mercy of God, you're showing the whole world that the power of God is in your life and that there is a Savior and that you are forgiven. Every time you come to church, every time you worship God, every time you serve in the church, every time you do an act of God, love somebody, forgive somebody, you're telling the whole world, I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm free. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm free. Now, what's this? So immediately he rose, he arose, took up his bed, went outside in the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. They had never seen it like that before. It was technology and things that have been in hiding in secret for many, many years. Years from the beginning of time. But when Jesus went into prayer and he walked in this earth free from sin, he had the authority to implement everything heaven had. Because 
Jesus, point number one, and you can write this down in your syllabus. Jesus showed us what freedom can do. Jesus showed us what freedom looks like, folks. He did something that no one else had the privilege to do. Jesus stood up in the synagogue one time and he began to quote Isaiah chapter 61. He quoted it and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If you want to know what freedom looks like, this is what freedom looks like because Jesus came to set the captives free. Listen to what it says. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. In other words, the anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. I believe that word poor is referencing people who are poor in spirit. And what I think poor in spirit means, I believe poor in spirit means those that are without God. Because when you have God, you are rich in Christ Jesus. When you have Jesus, you're not a pauper, you're not a beggar, you're not left alone. You have the riches of Christ Jesus inside of you. You have everything that heaven has in its account. I don't know if you heard me or not, but Jesus made some deposits and may give us access into heaven's account. And because you have the forgiveness and the blood of Jesus in your life and you've been set free, you are free to make a withdrawal. You're rich in Christ Jesus. You have more than you know. Jesus came to give good news to them that were poor in spirit. In other words, to tell them, you don't have to be poor anymore. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be depressed anymore. The good news is the kingdom of God is here and is here to rest and be inside of you. I am with you now, he told the apostles. But then he said, I shall be inside of you. Somebody shout, I'm rich. You gotta believe it. I'm rich. You gotta tell yourself every now and then, look in the mirror and say, You are rich in Christ Jesus. You have more than what you know. You're rich in love. You're rich in mercy. You're rich in grace. You're rich in healing. You're rich in deliverance. You're rich in power. You're rich in authority. Does anybody believe what I'm saying here? You gotta believe that when you've been set free, you are free indeed. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Only people with strong hearts can help broken hearts. The heart's referring to the spirit. I believe that. The part where your true thoughts reside in your affections and your desires. The brokenhearted, those that have been let down by life, those that have been abused by powers that be during his day and ours. Brokenhearted people, people that feel that there is no hope, people that feel that there is no other way, people that don't know that God is provided for them a new way, people that have no answers, people that have been looking for years how how do I how do I get through this? How do I get out of this cycle? How, how how do I break this thing? The good here's the good news. Jesus came, Jesus came, and and he's gonna heal your broken heart. 
See, he's going to heal your thought process and heal your desires and heal every, heal every hurt that you've ever had. He's going to cause you to forgive when you had no forgiveness. He's going to cause you to start thinking like a hopeful person instead of feeling like a despair person or feeling like you're alone or feeling like there is no other option. That's what God does to your heart. When you give your life to Jesus and you start walking with Jesus and you're born again by Jesus, Jesus gives you a whole new plan for your life. He gives you a whole new future. Your past is gone. No more reminiscing on the past. No more being held down and weighed down by things you did or what someone else did to you. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, old things have passed away, and someone say the rest. All things become new. Someone say new. All things become new. Hope. He has sent me, Jesus said, to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisons will, prisoners will be free. How many people do we know that are bound by addiction are are in a spiritual prison or a physical one. In the eyes of God, it doesn't matter. Physical or spiritual, it doesn't matter. Jesus said, I have come to set them free. I have come to set them free. Mama, don't start praying for that boy. Mama, don't stop praying for that daughter. Don't stop praying for your family. Daddy, don't stop praying for your grandchildren. Mama, don't stop praying for your grandchildren. Prayer works. Jesus can do it. He's inside of you. He's never been defeated. He's never lost hope. He's never depressed. He's never afraid. He's never in despair. He has never lacked any power or authority in this world. There are angels, okay? There is an air force that God has that will work on your behalf. He's got big bombs. He's got some big arsenal. He's got some big weaponry. There are some things that God can do in the spirit to all of our intercessors and those that pray you need to get in your corner of the, your prayer closet and put the crosshairs on the devil and just let it go God will take care of all of your enemies God will take care of everything you just got to pick your head up you got to begin to walk again you've got to begin to have faith again don't stop praying big prayers pray those big audacious prayers pray those big miracle working prayers Pray those faith-filled prayers. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't stop believing. If you're going to dream, dream big. If you're going to pray, pray big. If you're going to fast, fast big. If you're going to serve, serve. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's going to get the credit. Because he does the work. He does the work. Freedom is so important. Jesus wasn't bound by anything. Jesus wasn't bound and limited by sin like the first Adam. Jesus came as a second Adam, sin free. Point number two is the expression of freedom is ministry, and ministry is serving. A lot of, a lot of people are looking for the ministry. I know God's called me into ministry. 
Let me give you a new definition of ministry, really an old definition of ministry. Because churches, movements, TV, I'll try. TV has messed up the idea of ministry. To make everyone think that ministry is this right here. Trust me, you don't want this right here. At the price that comes with this. You don't know the hell we've been through, the devils we had to fight, the false accusations, the lies, the church splits. You don't know all that stuff. You just enjoy where you're at right now and continue to do God's will. You've got devils you have enough to deal with right now in your life. Let, let, let some men of God handle the bigger devils that you haven't dealt with yet. I never forget my pastor when I was an associate pastor. I told him, what's it like being a pastor? He said, son, and I never forget this. He said, son, don't you worry about that right now. You just have fun where you're at. You have a chance to preach. I'm letting you preach. I feel the call in your life for that level of ministry. That's where you're trained there. I said, he said, teach on Christian living. You let me handle the pastoring, dealing with that stuff and certain teachings. Here's what you have to realize. Write in your notes. Go read James chapter 3. James chapter 3 will tell you. Don't you know, everyone, not everyone's called to be teachers. Those that are will be judged with a higher judgment. See, because i got to stand. Ministry at this level has to stand and give an account for everything that came out of your mouth. You'd Like you, but at my level, what did I teach? And did it line up with, it matters. If God's called you there, he'll grace you there. He'll grace you there. The grace of God will take you there. But stop thinking for one moment that you don't have a ministry because you don't have a microphone. Somebody tweet that. Some, no, I, I don't, I'm not on Twitter anymore. Somebody Facebook that. You don't have, you know, just because you don't have a microphone doesn't mean you don't have a ministry. That's not true. Come to think about it, neither did Jesus. I ought to drop this mic, but it may break. And they're expensive, what they're telling me. I'm going to drop that thing. Jesus took on the form of a servant and came in, and he washed the disciples' feet. With his robe or the towel that he had, whatever it was, Jesus said those that are going to be great among you have to be the least and serve. There are people waiting for you to find your ministry. But so many people have put it on hold because they disqualified themselves and compared themselves with somebody else. That's not God's will, and that's not how it is. Everyone, when you find your field of labor, no matter where it is, in the marketplace, no matter if it's in education, in the medical field, in any one of the places of influence, in the arts, I don't care where it is. Wherever God puts you is where God's going to use you. And whenever God uses you, he's going to anoint you. But God can't anoint you if you're bound by, don't clap yet, if you're bound by sin. The expression of freedom is in ministry, but how can you serve if you're 
abound. I mean, it's hard, right? I'm called. I'm called. He called me. Hard to do God's work whenever you're bound by things. And, and write this down. You can never help somebody out of something that you're in. Ouch. Mm. Can't do it. You can't deliver anybody from something you're not delivered from. So, so when God saved you, he didn't save you just to save you. God saved you to serve other people to see them get delivered too. Ministry is serving, and when God sets you free, you'll find your purpose. But you won't find your purpose if you don't take a chance and start serving. And you got to start any place, man. You just got to begin anywhere, ma'am. You've got to just start someplace, and God will begin to lead you. You see, when God begins to lead you, God begins to anoint you. Because when God begins to anoint you, God will begin to protect you and to keep you. The result is living a holy life. I had a conversation with somebody the other day at, 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 uh, at the, the workout facility I was at. and It happens. People find out I'm a pastor and they want to start asking me questions or preach to me. I don't, I don't know. That's why I put those little things in sometimes, right? My own business. And, and. One, one, one of my friends, I say my friend because we've been talking for a while, and I pray for him, and we talk, and we start talking about uh, the, the benefits of what God has. And, and I start saying, you know, you don't have to, a person doesn't have to be bound by addiction or sin and lifestyle. There, there's a better way, and God can keep you from things. And his response to me was, oh, you're one of them that believe that we're not supposed to make mistakes or you know, and I said, no. I said, there's a difference between making a, a mistake and being stubborn and sinning no matter what other people think, including God. I mean, there's a difference between I failed and I want to be a failure. You understand what I'm saying, right? You're only a failure as long as you stay down. But the moment you get up, it's over. I said, all I'm saying is, is that David, I said, David was known as a sinner or a murderer or an adulterer. David was known as a king. Jesus wasn't even afraid to associate himself with David by being called the son of David. Why? After committing the acts of sin that he did, I'll tell you why. It wasn't his lifestyle. Even though he was a warrior and he shed blood, the enemy's blood, he made a mistake. He fell into it, but he didn't stay there. 
Psalms 51 is the proof. I reference it all the time because we need to go read it every once in a while and see what a true heart of repentance looks like. If you really want to start over, just begin to come to yourself and say, Lord, it was me. It wasn't Eve. It wasn't Bathsheba. It wasn't anybody else. It was me, God. I struck the rock. You told me to talk to it. I'm the one that did it. You understand? And the moment we can get free from that and walk in it, God doesn't hold us accountable to any of that. God sees us trying. God sees us walking with him. God sees us forgiven. And you're not a sinner. You're a saint in the eyes of God. Not perfect, but forgiven. Not perfect, but forgiven. What's this? Romans chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. But now... You are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Wow, the Apostle Paul said, I'm a slave to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to know what to tell? Listen to me. Some of you feel negativity come on you sometimes. Some of you feel thoughts come to you and things when you mess up or you fall down. But you know what you need to tell the devil when that happens? You can't fire a slave. You can't fire me. I don't work for you. I work for God. I'm not on the ground. I got back up a long time ago. That's the past. It's covered by the blood. Let me remind you of your future. Let's turn to the book of Revelation. Let's just take a look at those angels that kicked your behind. Let's take a look at all those people that overcame you by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You need to let the devil know every time you feel discouraged. I'm not a, a discouragement to God. I'm a child of God. I'm a forgiven person. I have been redeemed by the blood. I have been washed from my sins. So the devil can't fire you because you don't work for him. You work for God. You work for God. He can't stop you from doing your job. He can't stop you for, from serving. He can't stop you from helping others. Don't disqualify yourself out of ministry all for one mistake. You keep on serving God. Keep on going lower. Keep on going lower in the presence of God. Be humble. Be meek. Be open, be loving, be forgiving, and let God raise you up. Let God do something with your life. Stop trying so hard. Just love people. Just love God and just serve somebody. Repeat this after me. Are you ready? Say, free people set people free. Bound people bind people up. Very simple. There? Okay, I'm going to. I like the way you say brother. Nice. It's nice. There, there is a lot to know about your deliverance. There's a lot to know about your deliverance. God delivered you to help deliver other people. Ah, let's look at this as a born-again experience. When your child was born, they were delivered. When you were born again, you were delivered. How many people need to be delivered or born again? And you, you, be the midwife 
The church is the womb. The Savior is the husband. The child of those that you need to serve to help win. You see, nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care. And when I say you're serving somebody, you serve anybody, any place, any time by your acts of goodness, kindness, and who you are. One of the ways we serve is through the church. Did you know every time you are involved with church, you're helping us reach people? Did you know every time, no matter what you do, from cameras to media, to the Connection Center, to coffee in the cafe, cleaning the church, every act, every act of serving is a method and a tool God uses to reach people. It is. I'm going to encourage you. If you don't know your purpose, just start doing something to find your purpose. You didn't, God never called you to serve me. No one's called to serve me. All of you are called to serve Jesus. But you were called to serve each other. See how that works? We don't hold the signs up, serve me. But we serve other people. Well, listen. If you feel like you don't have a gift, can I ask you a question? Can you smile? Because we need more greeters. Well, I don't like to smile because I, my teeth are crooked. <laughs> the cafe, anybody can pour coffee. The media, no one will see you there. You can do something. And until you do something, whether it's prayer, whether through giving, we call it this, time, talent, and treasure. Those are the three avenues that you give from. We believe all three should be functioning in every believer's life. Time, talent, and treasure. No matter what the amount is on all of them, you've got to give out from that place to your local assembly so God can work on those areas of your heart. Has to happen. Come on, Haley. You see, God saved you to serve. And see, when you start doing that, the anointing will flow through you and strengthen you, change you. Don't be afraid. And don't feel like you got to be the boss. I mean, a man and a woman who can receive instruction and give instruction at the same time is a powerful individual because it takes humility to lead takes good listening skills to follow but you got to start someplace God doesn't call you just to save you God doesn't call you and saves you just so you can sit God calls you to serve and whatever that looks like some people are actually called to be kings financial provisionaries for the vision See, every church is comprised of kings and priests. Kings are the provisionaries. Priests are the visionaries. We're the priests that give the vision the direction, but we need kings to supply the needs so we can go where God's called us. And if God's assigned you to be a king, then be good stewards of your finance and your business and pray for wisdom, and Jesus will become your CEO, and he'll help you financially establish the church. If you've been called to serve and maybe you have a musical talent and ability, then, then go through the go through growth track but don't be afraid because didn't you pray one day Lord use me I don't want people to use me I don't know I'm not going to go there they use you there 
Hello? Why did you leave that church? Well, they, they just use people. Are you kidding me? Have you ever prayed, God, use me? I mean, did you think that God was going to show up like a holographic image? Did I am saying it right? Yeah. Yeah, and you're... Think God was just going to send an angel down and say, hey, this is what you got to do. No, no, no. God uses people that are called in ministry to give direction. And God uses churches. It all comes through people. And so that's how God works. So you have to trust. You're not working for the person. You're working for Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet here this Sunday morning because I'm on a rabbit trail. But here's what I want to leave you with this thought. And then I'm going to give you the weekly challenge. Here's the thought. Our family, city, and nation are waiting for us to show them what freedom looks like. If you're dealing with something in your life that got you in a cycle and has got you bound, it may not even be your hands. It could be your feet and cause you not to walk in the direction God wants you to walk in. If you can't walk with God because of a certain hang-up, then in Jesus' name, I loose you from those binds from those, those, those ropes and those chains and those fetters right now. Just tell them, forgive me. And I just tell them right now, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, set them free from this addiction. Set them free from this hang-up. Set them free from unforgiveness. Set them free, Father, from, from feeling like a failure because they make mistakes, from missing God, from whatever it may be. If they've ever missed, God, forgive them and just wash it off of their conscience. But today, dear God, whatever they do with their hands, set their hands free to do the work of God. Set their feet free to walk in the will of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray liberty and freedom into this place. God, we pray for those that have not given their life to the Lord, that they would just surrender right now and say, God, become my Lord and Savior and forgive me of my sins. Lord, we pray today for us to walk in unity. We pray today, dear God, that we would start, every person would start serving in a ministry at this church because you want to use them. We pray, dear God, that that would be the weekly challenge, that we would begin to serve, that we would begin to work, that we would begin to do whatever is necessary. The church isn't here to entertain. The church is here to win people, to see the cities lost, to see the nation turn around, to see people, God, and officially in places of government, that some church would intercede and pray that God's will would be done. Raise up prayer warriors in this church. Raise up people that will give her their time in prayer. Raise up people that will give her their finances that aren't giving in their finances. Let the people, God, in this place that have talents and ability, let them begin to serve faithfully on a regular basis that you put a desire in their hearts. This church, God, this group of people can change this city and turn it upside down. Just move on our hearts, God, to put the initiative inside of us. Somebody shout out, use me, Lord. Come on, if you mean that, somebody shout out, use me, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.